Restored Gospel Podcast is happy to present another episode of Stories of the Saints. This is episode 17, I believe, and I have a great friend here this morning. His name's Robert Taylor. Robert and I met one another, I'm not sure when, I'm sure that'll come out. I think it was back 1998 or 9, somewhere around there. We went to church in the Belton Congregation together for a number of years. Uh, he was a good friend, a fellow musician. He was my pastor for some dark hours that I walked through and was a great counselor and friend. So, Robert, welcome this morning. Thank you, Mike. It's good to be here. Um, Robert, you live here in Independence with your lovely wife, Anne, correct? Yes. Do you still go to the Belton Congregation? We do, yeah. Okay. Well, what year did you move up to Independence, Missouri? We've been here uh, about 25 years. Okay. You came from Texas? Correct. Yeah, we were in Houston for uh, most of our adult life until we moved here. Okay. And um, I heard your name through some other friends that I was going to church with that that you were long acquainted with, the Elliots. And um, when I finally met you, I wasn't disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) You, um, if I could just sum up to our listeners you were are one of those people that I believe you just show the image of Jesus, and he's always been alive and present, not something that happened a long time ago, not something that you know you came to know when you were young and then and then he was just stories from long ago, but he was always present and real and living and and fresh, I guess fresh as we would always get together and talk so uh tell me. Tell me your uh, your history. Did you grow up knowing the Lord uh, in a Christian home, or how did that go? I did grow up uh, in the reorganized Latter-day Saint Church, and uh, my parents were both converts. And uh, I myself really didn't have my own testimony, and uh, I hadn't really sought after that in my youth, and so— uh, I became a young man, got married, and set out to conquer the world. And uh, like so many people that came out of the 60s, uh, found myself quite delusioned with (laughs) what the world had to offer. And uh, that set me on a a different path than what I had taken in the the past. I had really in the past set out to just uh, make my own way do all the things that I wanted to do that I thought would make me happy, uh, all those things came up short. And I realized that uh, there had to be something a lot more in life. And so uh, along with the many prayers of my parents and uh, the saints in the church that I didn't know about, they were were praying for me because my parents wouldn't let them stop. Mm. And... uh, so, you know, I came to this this point where I uh, understood that somehow the most important thing that I could discover would be the truth. I just finally came to understand that when everything else failed, the truth would still be standing on its own without my need to support it or anyone else's. And so... I really desired to understand what that was. And having grown up in the church, not having a testimony, not being atheist, but but not being a believer, I thought to myself, well, a fool would discount the testimony of all these people. Although I don't believe, I will put the ball in God's court. So I thought, you know, if God could answer me and wouldn't answer me, I probably didn't care to worship him. If he was able to answer me and he and he wanted to answer me, then I would I would just seek him out and and give him this opportunity as I was on this quest for this truth which I had no idea what that was. And so I did something unusual. I prayed. And uh, it was a simple prayer. I wasn't particularly reverent. But, Mike, I was sincere as I've ever been in my life. 
I wanted the truth. And so I, uh, I asked God uh, if, if he existed, if he cared about his creation like so many people tell me he does. I told him I really need to know that. And uh, he didn't keep me waiting very long. Uh, the most amazing thing was this uh, wonderful testimony that he gave me of Jesus Christ. And uh, that has been the pivotal point in my whole life. That's the thing that uh, obviously brings me more joy uh, in life experience and, and the most joy to speak of. And I find myself always wanting to do that uh, because who doesn't like to walk in joy? Mm -hmm. And uh, so he brings me joy. The conversation of him brings me joy. And, uh, and I love seeing when other people uh, catch a glimpse of that also. Uh, you know, from that, from that time that uh, the Lord bore testimony to me of Christ, in, in what was not actually an unusual way at that time, uh, I, I actually uh, came to Christ, the testimony of Christ by the power of the Spirit, as I was sitting in a movie theater watching. I remember this testimony. Oh, yeah, yeah this is good. Yeah. Well, I, I was watching this, uh, this movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm -hmm. I grew up with the 8-track uh, tape. My parents would play in the van. Right. <laughs> yeah, the music. So the music was wonderful. We all loved that music, but we didn't give it the kind of thought that I would give it that day. And as I sat there in the theater with my wife and, and uh, several of my ruffian friends, uh, I had an experience that was the answer to my prayer. And, uh, you know, to this day, I kind of wonder what happened there because I, I seriously lost track of the fact that I was sitting in a theater by the time it came to the crucifixion. And it's important to understand that, that that play, which was written and then turned into a movie, was not written to glorify Christ by those who set out to do it. That one was an atheist and one was Jewish, and, uh, and they weren't sitting there trying to figure out ways to lift up Jesus. But, but the Lord said, if I am lifted up before men, I'll draw all men unto me. And so he was... True to his word. And, you know, God the Father used this opportunity to pour his spirit out in answer to my prayer. So I got a little bit lost in there in the sense that uh, I forgot I was in a movie theater. I witnessed uh, the crucifixion. And... Uh, I'll never forget hearing these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, I'd heard those words before. I'd read those words in my youth, but not like this. And I understood by the power of the Spirit that, that the Lord was crying out to the Father on behalf of these who were causing him such agony. And I was never imagining in all my days that such love as this existed in all of the creation. And it was the most beautiful experience. And I knew this was someone I needed to know better. I wanted to know better. I, uh, as the movie drew to a conclusion and I kind of came to my senses and, <laughs> or I came to uh, awareness of where I was again, I remember 
and this audible voice that I thought was part of the credits going by, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Follow him. Well, I had just prayed, you know, less than two weeks before, if you'll, if you'll answer my prayer, if you'll show me that you care, I'll follow you. And um, even that prayer that I offered, I know the Lord then was giving me utterance. He was teaching me to pray and what to pray for. And, uh, you know, that prayer now, 50 years later nearly, is, uh, is still the prayer of my heart. And uh, it's the prayer that uh, I think we all need to be remembering, that this is about Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord could have shown me anything. He could have told me, well, Robert, I want you to follow Buddha. I'd be Buddhist to this day. But he didn't tell me that. And I'm not speaking against anything. I'm just telling you what the Lord spoke to and what he answered in my prayer. And he told me to follow Jesus. Um, I was sure at that time I would do a lot better job than I have, but he's been faithful through the years. Uh, I've stumbled. He's kept me from falling. And uh, I'm so grateful for what the Lord told me. You know, at that, at that time, I knew that uh, the thing I wanted to do was to share what I just received. I wasn't living a good lifestyle. And, uh, but I didn't need someone to come along and say, uh, you know, here's how you stop doing this and here's how you stop doing that. Because the disposition for all those things was gone from me. I was, I was healed. And the burden of this world, the burden of my own sin was lifted off of me. And I understood what people said when they said, well, the, the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. I don't know a better way to say it than that. I was made free. And uh, it's just the most beautiful thing. And it was, it was in an instant, uh, just drawing near to the Lord and him drawing near to me. And uh, that's, that's the thing I hope to do better and better as the years go on. When you uh, left that place, were you married at the time, did you say? Or I was. What, what did, did your wife notice something had happened or changed? Well, you know, I'm, I've always been sort of an extremist in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I would latch on to something and that excited <laughs> me and I would go do this for a while and get tired of it and move on to something else. Okay. And so my, my dear wife, Anne, who was, uh, you know, from the time I met Jesus, I understood what a gift that she had been and that she didn't come into my life by accident. But, uh, yes, she was, she was watching me and I didn't really know that. Oh, well, I bore the testimony. I shared with her, uh, how excited I was about this with all my friends who they all drifted away. She was the one who hung in there when I came to Jesus because I, I lost all of my friends and, uh, they just didn't want any part of that. And, um, but yes, you know, some, some time went by, several months, probably six months, really. And uh, she was still watching. And quietly, uh, as she is, observing, wondering, was this real? And uh, something happened. Uh, the specifics are not important, but she'd been my wife now for four years. She knew how I would respond, and I didn't. 
respond in the way that she knew that I would. It was a little while, sometime after that, she told me that was when she knew that this was of God, that it was real. It was not emotion. And uh, that it was just something uh, wonderful that had happened in my life. And and she wanted then to know more and and to have her own experience, which she has had many experiences. And she had experiences before that, but she wanted to go deeper because she could see that uh, this had brought into my life uh, a happiness, a joy, a peace that uh, she had never witnessed in me. Would you call what happened at that moment being born of the Spirit or being born again? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there was. Uh, I'm a very emotional person, uh, but I have this strong belief that uh, though the Spirit of God can move us emotionally, emotion doesn't move the Spirit of God. Truth and... and uh, integrity and uh, uh, a desire to to do that which is is right in his sight those things move him and uh, so I never you know I'm, I'm always a little cautious when when I see emotional people having an experience that isn't really of the Spirit of God and and I'm not trying to judge anyone but I have seen that many times and you judge a thing by its fruit. And uh, so, yes, uh, there's no question in my mind that in that moment uh, that I sat in that theater, I was born again. We talk about that a lot in, on the show, uh, just about being how the, the need we all have to have a changed heart or born of the Spirit and, and not just be, you know, Christians and in thought or in mind, but something deep down has to change. And you described, uh, you said you, it may have not been the best prayer, but it was sincere. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we played a testimony of an atheist, a young lady who had an Alma-like experience. And, um, and, and in her story, she too went from being complete atheist to taking a science class and wondering, how did this just happen without a creator? And so she started to open up, and she also said it wasn't a good prayer. I felt a little silly, but I thought if there was a God, he would want me to know him. And she just said, I don't even know I would call it a prayer, but I just asked. But she was sincere in her seeking. And that's what what you said. You were sincere, and and God answered her in a a miraculous way. In an instant, she was healed from, from her demons, from from throwing up every day and his food disorder, immediately she was healed and she couldn't believe it. What do you think um, that sincereness is missing, I think, in a lot of saints' lives? Because it seems like God never keeps himself from someone who is sincerely seeking him. But what does that look like when you say sincere? Is it willing a willingness to put everything aside for the knowledge of him? or And how do you get to that point, you know? Well, I, I think largely you've just said it. Uh, you know, what, what it is that we're seeking after is the thing that is going to stand when everything else fails and falls. We, we live in a time and in a, in a place, and every human has, where everything's falling down around them. There's pain, there's suffering, but these things are temporary. And that thing which is not temporary is is the Lord. And uh, once you experience that in your spirit, you know, and, and you have this experience that the that the scriptures speak of as His ability to remove all doubt. That's a wonderful thing to have happen. When uh, you know, I have a lot of things that I I have to live by faith in, but there now are some things in my life that are knowledge. And uh, that doubt has been removed. Uh, the existence of Jesus is one of those things. His desire to live in my, my life in such a way that I am changed. 
because I can't change myself to a manner that's going to be pleasing to God. Uh, I, I can seek to be obedient. I must be obedient. But at the same time, I recognize that uh, the best that I have to offer is not going to save me. In the end, I'll be judged according to my works. And my works will be an indication of whether or not I was walking in the Spirit, following Jesus. And uh, so I will be saved by grace, but I'll still be judged according to my works because they're the best indication there is <laughs> of whether or not I'm, I'm walking in that Spirit. I like how you just put that it's it's not how much you do or or how many people you touch but rather why you were doing what you were doing is that what i'm hearing that because we we get caught up in that judging ourselves based on how much good we've done compared to others in this world you know well, as far I as our salvation but you said it's because of who you who you know basically the right. works so i th- i think that's it's very common all of us uh, have this tendency, and then, uh, you know, that dark spirit comes in and tries to convince us we're not good enough. We start to measure ourselves against another person, somebody more beautiful than we are, somebody that uh, has more talents or somebody who everyone likes better than they do us. And we completely miss the point of, of our experience in life and the, and the joy that's in this journey uh, of life. So the, the, you know, the point is that we find ourselves in Christ. And as Christ comes into us, we begin to be changed. Our thoughts are changed. Our desires are changed. And what we can do that is, that is greater than some work that we can lay down before him is we can submit. And if we submit to him, then the works will come automatically. You know, I didn't, I didn't put down all those things that were in my life that were not pleasing to the Lord because I just bucked up and said, I'm going to do good. No, I'd drawn near to him, and by the gift of his Spirit, those things were obscene to me now. And, you know, now I'm, I'm 69 years old and I'm still growing uh, because I'm not complete and I'm not entire. And I think partly I'm still here because the Lord is wanting to grow me more and more and show me other, you know, shine that light into the darkness in this place and that place in my life so that I can be changed and better fit to be with him because who I am when I leave here is who I'll be. And so it's by grace that I continue. And, you know, I'm always reminded uh, that, you know, John spoke of, of Christ and said that he knew he, he was not given all at the first, but it was given unto him grace for grace. What a beautiful uh, scripture that is and how much light is in that because this same Jesus who came into the world, you know, I used to wonder what it might have been like. This little infant child laying there in Mary's arms looking up, was he saying, I'm going to grow up and show all of you someday? I didn't think so. But at the time, you know, as a brand new Christian, I pondered these things and wondered. And then I came across these words of John who bore this wonderful testimony of Christ and said he was not given all at the first, but it was given unto him grace for grace. So because Jesus came into the world, not of the will of man, but of the will of God, he was holy and righteous. And when the spirit of the father came upon him, he delighted in this gift. So much so that he never grieved the spirit The Spirit had no reason to ever turn from him, 
But he grew from grace into grace. We know that by the time he was 12 years old, he knew that he was the Messiah. That's amazing. But he continued to grow from grace into grace throughout of his life. And, and uh, this same Jesus said, follow me. So one of the ways that we can follow him is to try and grow from grace unto grace. To receive the Spirit and to walk according to that Spirit. Sometimes that Spirit comes as we're sitting reading the Word of God and He opens up something to us more deeply to our understanding. It might come by the words of another person that comes into our life uh, and we learn some deeper principles, some greater understanding, uh, dreams, visions, so many ways that the Lord blesses us that uh, we can we can grow from grace into grace. And, and only God knows, and he knows better than we do, what's the next step we need to take and when to take it. So if we're, if we're walking with him, then we will be changed, and he'll see to it that we're changed sufficiently to uh, receive that grace. Author and finisher of our faith. Absolutely. Yeah. You you talk about dreams and visions. I know you've had many experiences since that day where you really came to the Lord. Uh, I don't know. Any you want to share? I know you had an experience one time with a with a chiasm, and you shared that. I think the last time you and I were together. But any of those experiences you want to share? I'd be happy to share with our listeners. I will tell you. Uh, I think this is a. Uh, uh, something that might be brief enough to uh, to explain. Uh, you know, it is a chiastic poem that uh, that I received in a dream, and uh, you know, it was it was quite remarkable because I was uh, sleeping one evening, resting well, <laughs> and uh, I had a dream, and it was the most brief of all the spiritual dreams that I'd ever had. And uh, when I had it, uh, I was so filled with joy. I w- it was the most exciting thing. And I, I remember uh, it was a peculiar dream because I was, I was given a poem. I was given to know that it was a chiasm. And I was, I was given uh, all of this joy that came with this understanding and I had this great desire to share it with a couple of my dear friends. And in my dream, I ran and found them, and I shared the dream. But as I was speaking these words, it was the first time I'd ever heard them. So wow. it was most peculiar. <laughs> and, I, and I said these words to them. Man has faith that if he's perfect, it will please God. And therefore, he can come unto God. God would have men come unto him, for it pleases God to make men perfect through faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get it backwards, and we try to earn God's favor through the works that we do. But our works will always come up short if we're reaching down inside of us to pull out the best that we can be. My very best is filthy rags before this great God of heaven. But I'm his child. He loves me. And he wants to dress me and clothe me in in raiments that are beautiful to behold. And so... When I was a little child, my mother would dress me. I didn't know how to dress myself. It's kind of like that. I still don't know how to dress myself to look appropriate before God. But if I submit, then he will dress me. Mm. And I'll have these clothes 
raiments that are of righteousness and white and, and beautiful. And um, then I will do the works that are pleasing to him. And anyone can look upon those works and say they're good. But they're not really uh, from the best part of me. They're through the submission and the following. Mm. That's all I can hope for. There's a lot of... uh we're entering into fall, which is my favorite time of year, usually, with the beautiful change of colors and the brisk temperatures in the morning. And I love how, as the days get shorter, it pushes people inside to fellowship. And some of the outdoor chores we have kind of fade away for a time. And I've always loved pots of chili and warm fires and good conversation. Um, but this year... Yesterday morning especially was, was pretty uh, pretty chilly in the air, and I was sitting under a tree charting after I'd seen a patient, and the windows were down, the breeze was blowing through, and I thought this is a, a perfect setting, and yet there's a darkness, a, a weight that I feel on the nation, as many people do. Um, we recently witnessed the country come to Washington in, a, in prayer on the nation, um, I've witnessed ministers from other faiths uh, preach boldly in front of the Capitol building, calling out the leaders on their sins. And and we in our faith had a meeting this past weekend. Uh, I was able to listen to the, uh, the Monday night service, the recap that was recorded. Um, I was out of town for the weekend and missed the service, but heard the testimonies. I was quite impressed. One One man shared how joy comes from being forgiven. And when we have that forgiveness, uh, that we have this joy, and it's the best thing in the world. And, and felt like when he asked God what, you know, what he thought about it, that God showed him in Moroni that, that we had joy because we were forgiven and clean. What do you know about those times, Robert? Have you had those times where, you've just felt clean and felt something better than this world can give you? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, but that, that again is, is by grace. It is, uh, in that moment where, uh, perhaps you put up the good fight, temptation came and, and you were able to, uh, uh, stand there remembering Jesus. See, that's that's really the thing, is that uh, remembering Jesus. You know, I I try, I hope, and I pray that that experience of that day when the Lord told me of Jesus Christ and that I'm to follow Him, when I saw his suffering and his pain and his love for even those who would abuse him. And when I felt that presence of the Spirit bearing testimony to me of, of that love for me and that I'd been forgiven, that I was clean, that I was born again, I didn't know really to say those words, but I mean... I knew that I was born again. I knew now I was a new creature. And um, I would I would say that, you know, to me, uh, when I can keep my eyes on Jesus Christ, when I can go through some battle and come through doing what I know is, is true in his eyes, uh, that's a great comfort to me. But when the Spirit bears testimony that he's pleased, that's, that's the moment of the greatest joy. And so do we walk every moment of every day like that? No. We, we need to walk faithfully. We need to walk in obedience. We need to walk doing the works of the Lord. But from time to time, we receive 
this touch of the Spirit that causes us to have this great joy that's exceeding the joy that we walk in every day through this knowledge. Uh, the Holy Spirit of promise is, is a great, great gift. When the Spirit comes upon you and, and reminds you and, and confirms to you that it is well with your soul, in the sight of God, you've been saved. This is the joy uh, that's, it really, it's unspeakable. No one can understand that unless they experience that. But it is the thing to seek after. And uh, it is a gift. You can't make it happen. But I believe that in as much as we submit uh, to his will, in as much as we seek to follow him and walk uh, in growing from grace unto grace, that is a gift that is ever present, but from time to time is made uh, more full as a, as a reminder and a, and a blessing overflowing that uh, we are saved through Christ. And uh, this, again, not of ourselves, but by grace. I wondered when um, Christ <clears throat> said those words on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that there was no repentance on the part of the crowd standing there, at least that we know of. They were wanting to kill him. And so they hadn't repented, and yet their creator who was on the cross cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You think that power, or is, is that, um, does that transfer across time to us today in those moments when we're not doing our best or, or we're not even interested in him, that, that Christ has that power to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do and, until we each one come to know and make that promise. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, that was powerful to me because I, I saw him say that to a people that weren't repenting. Right. Well, I, I do think that, uh, that you know, that it, it does carry throughout history. But one of the key phrases in that is they know not what they do. You know, if I'm in open rebellion against God, I know what I'm doing is sinful. I've done that even since I've known him. I believe we all have. And the, the pain that that causes in the spirit, my spirit, the hollowness, the emptiness, the, the shame, all of these things are a terrible burden to bear. And um, nevertheless, you know, in as much as we, we walk in life remembering him, doing what we know is right and refusing to do what we know is wrong. In other words, this, uh, it's so important what Jesus said. They know not what they do. There may have been those in the crowd when Jesus died that did know what they were doing. And I think that he couldn't really cover them. He wanted to. The love was there. But truth would not allow. And, and you know, I, as I said, I set out to find truth in my youth, uh, in my very early 20s. And uh, I understand, you know, largely because of the restoration gospel or the restored gospel, that truth is independent in that sphere in which it exists. And, uh, you know, I had supposed that God created truth. He is the truth. And everything he does is of truth. But truth is independent. 
in the sphere in which it exists. It can't, you know, we can try to deny it. But just as I understood back then when I was praying that this thing was going to stand no matter what, if all the world came out against it and everything collapsed, the truth would still stand. It just made sense to me. That's why it became such a treasured prize. I didn't realize that it had a name, Jesus. Uh, but I would, I would discover that. And it was more beautiful truth than I could have imagined. I thought it was going to be maybe some scientific truth that would change everything for me. So many people today still do. And uh, they're searching in that direction, but they're ignoring perhaps uh, a spiritual side because they've been taught that ex experiential, uh, well, these experiences that we have might be just emotion and you'll always be left wondering, is this real? Well, I know that there really is this thing that's a removal of all doubt. And anyone listening to that is going to perhaps still have uh, that doubt. But you know what I'm talking about, Mike. And, and many people listening, they know what I'm talking about. There is this removal of all doubt, and you know that it's not some uh, neurons flashing in your brain, but your heart is filled and uh, so I'm sure that when Jesus died upon the cross, he wanted to reach out to those that perhaps knew that they were crucifying their own God for the sake of uh, comfort in this life. But truth would not allow him really to pray for them, and so he prayed for those who knew not what they were doing there. And uh, it was, you know, the, the soldiers and, and uh, the church was gathered and all these different people jeering and, uh, and cursing his holy name. But it was a very sincere prayer because he desired that somehow he could take on himself the sin of all the world. He knew that the Father had kept his feet from stumbling. He knew, and this amazing thing, a human being standing there knowing in his heart that he had lived a righteous life, that he had finished what the Father had told him to do. And here he was, wholly human, and holy God, I can't get my head around that. But it was real. And he had come to this clarity that he was able to take upon him the sin of the world and, and wash it from us and make us clean and set us on a new path that would lead to life where we had been on a path of death and destruction but he also knew that he could only do that if we submitted, because we have agency, if we submitted to him. But inasmuch as we rebelled against him, then he could not accomplish the thing that with all of his heart, with all of his holy desires, he wanted to do for us, to bring salvation. Nevertheless, he knew that he could take upon him even this sin. And I've wondered sometimes, what would happen? You know, we know that the, the earth trembled. It shook, and, and it, was, it was unstable in that instant that he died. Of course it was. All of creation had uh, lost for an instant its creator. I can't get my head around that either. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
death could not hold him because truth recognized that he himself was without sin. So, you know, this goes back and we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and 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 God said to Adam and Eve, when I this is a forbidden fruit here. All of this other stuff, this is all for you, and I've created everything for you. But this fruit, I forbid you to partake of this. And they partook of it. And uh but he said, you know, in that day you'll surely die. Well, he'd lived for hundreds of years after that. Was God true to his word? Well, he was absolutely true. Because in that day they did die spiritually. They had a spiritual death. And so where they were able to be in the presence of God, they could no longer be in his presence. And they had spiritually died and they were without hope until that angel visit and, and gave Adam this great news, which he rushed off to share with Eve in great joy. That in the meridian of time, a Savior would come. So he understood what death was. But lest we, you know, lose uh, sight of that in clarity, you know, in the 17th chapter of the book of John, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I love this. He says, and not for them alone, but for all those who believe upon their words. Well, now this is a big blanket he's, he's put out there because these believers, and what's he praying for them? That they would be one with him as he is one with God that they might have eternal life. And, and then he, he does something very interesting to me. He defines eternal life. He said, and this is life eternal, that they might know you, the true and living God and Jesus Christ, your son, who you've sent. So now we, we can look at this, you know, what happened in the garden was that Adam and Eve were not able to know God in a personal way because of sin. And death came upon them. And then in the 17th chapter of John, Jesus is telling us life is to know God and to know Jesus. It is the, the whole goal. You know, this is what God created us for, was that we could have joy, that we could live abundant life, and yet it is not there anywhere except in his presence, really. It's not in the stuff of this earth. All of these things were given here for a blessing to us, but even that blessing cannot be recognized or appreciated outside of his spirit. It, all these things will be abused, and misused and come to uh, really be a curse to us. But they're meant for a blessing. And uh, that can only happen, you know, as we're, as we're seeking uh, the, the truth and the life and uh, to walk in the light of men. And so... There at the cross, when he prayed for those who knew not what they would do, I think, you know, I've thought about that a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Was it, was, it probably not every single person there, but those that were there that, that didn't know would be able to be forgiven and come to know right, him? Right, right. And so how does that relate to us today? Well, it's exactly the same for every one of us. It's, it's the same for every human being from Adam to today and on in as long as this is held together by grace. That if we are in open rebellion against God, truth dictates that we cannot be in his presence. And, uh, and we know that. 
uh, you know, when when Moses came down out of the mountain and the light was so bright upon him, the people couldn't even look upon Moses. They wanted him to cover his face because he was shining with this glory from God. That's really amazing. Uh, so, obviously, we can't stand in his presence unless we're cleansed, unless we're made new, unless we've been changed. And uh, so we're on this journey, uh, attempting to grow from grace into grace through submission. And uh, it's a struggle for all of us. Uh, the world places a lot of demands. There's a lot of concerns. We, we live in a very unique time. I've never seen anything quite like this. But I did survive the 60s. <laughs> and, and, you know, one thing I saw come out of that is that there were a lot of people in that day, too, that thought they were, you know, this is typical with youth. They thought that they were wiser than those who were responsible for the establishment. Mm -hmm. And we, we set out to kind of bring down the establishment and create a new, a new order. And uh, we came away disillusioned and disappointed but many people came away seeking truth and uh, you know I remember the the testimony of the man who played the part of Christ in Jesus Christ Superstar and he spoke in uh, that he had been very very angry about the result because he said when he performed this on stage and and then later when the movie was made and he'd meet so many, many people that would come to him thanking him and praising God. And he despised worshipers of God. Mm. He wanted no part of Christianity. But there came a point where the Lord found a way into his life through his wife. He brought her to Christ. And and then, you know, Christ was in the house. Wow. I didn't know that story. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That was the actor that played Jesus? Yes. Yes. So he ended up becoming a Christian. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I saw him on Christian television several times talking about how the Lord came into his life. Mm. And he had put up a fight. But then when it all came down, uh, the Lord brought him to this low state that allowed him to become disillusioned with his own life <clears throat> mm -hmm. and all the wonderful plans that he had made for himself. Uh, they, they didn't render the joy that he had hoped for, and he could see the joy that was in his wife. And uh, though he had been despising that, <laughs> right. the Lord still, imagine the grace of God to reach out to someone so despicable as that or so despicable as I was. You know, I sometimes tell people in the church, uh, you know, I, I, you have shown me your love and, and I love you for that. But there was a day when it would have been very hard for you to love me. If you'd looked back at me 50 years ago, you might have thought I was unredeemable. Mm. But I look at this day in which we live, and I think through this, yes, there's, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, death. There's going to be all kinds of terrible things that are unspeakable. But I also know that for many people, there's a revival coming. Jesus is going to reach into this mess and pull people out from the depths of despair, hopelessness, disillusionment. He's going to bring them to truth. There's going to be a revival that comes out of this. For the whole world, no. But all over the world, many, 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 many souls will be saved because God is going to work all things for good. What a powerful God this is. 
that he can that he can make that statement with complete confidence. I will work all things for good. <laughs> all his children everywhere are equally loved by him in every yes. country and every religion, no matter where they're at. And that's amazing to me because I hope someday I gain many, many brothers and sisters from all over. You know. Well, Robert, you, you're a child of the 60s, and you also are a musician, and you love music. And I know I asked you to bring your guitar. Would you uh, share a song with us? Uh, sure, I yeah. would. This is my body Broken for you This is my blood That I shed for you Show the Father In all that you do That you Remember me Love one another As I have loved you In great and in small things Do as I do Feast upon my words Follow the truth Because you Remember me Make way for my spirit To reside in you That I might complete What I started in you This is my body Broken for you This is my blood That I shed for you Show the Father In all that you do That you Come unto me now Broken hearted and bruised My burden is light For I bear it for you My Father will strengthen And your hearts he'll renew Because you Remember me Because you Remember me Beautiful. You wrote that one. Y yes, as I... Uh was preparing to bring music for a worship service. Uh, it was like, I think, a Friday evening, and I was pondering Sunday morning's uh, sacrament service. Mm -hmm. And uh, I began thinking about these words and writing them down. And Saturday morning I got up, and, and you know the, the whole song just became clear to me. And I never really felt like I wrote it because it came so easily and I've tried to write music and <laughs> I have several songs. The good ones came real easily. <laughs> right. A gift to the body for the body. Right. 
about the body. Yeah. (laughs) You know, as I thought about uh, this opportunity to come here uh, today, I thought uh, if anything could happen, that would be, you know, according to the desire of my heart, it would be that uh, really no one would remember uh, that I'd been here, but that this testimony of Jesus would reside mm. in their hearts. Yeah. What a wonderful desire. Well, I, th- I think your whole uh, time here with us today is, has, I was thinking what a great, this has all been a great testimony of Jesus. Um, and I know this isn't lifting you up, but the Lord places people among us that he gives opportunity to know him. And I, I've been blessed to have several people in my life that I believe know Jesus and you're you're one of them, and I think at the very beginning when I said it's always fresh or living uh, when I'm around you, it's because it's just part of your DNA. When he when you were born of the Spirit, you get that spiritual DNA, and, and though you're not perfect, um, you do bear witness of that from the time that I met you. So we've we walked through some dark hours in my life, and you were a voice of counsel and and a friend, and we spent many hours in tears and prayer. Um, and the Lord put my life back together, and I always appreciate you being there during that time. Yeah, it was a dark, dark time. Lost my family, and yeah. So, well, you know, that's not something that uh, anyone wants to to go through. Uh, the way that you conducted yourself through all of that was a great testimony, and remains a testimony to me. Mm. I know that uh, your heart was set upon the Lord and upon your family. And uh, I've always appreciated you so much. Uh, You know, the the same people that introduced you to me before we met (laughs) introduced uh, us both. And uh, they uh, were hardly able to, uh, you know, express uh, how much joy that you would bring into my life. And so anyway, you know, uh, it's it's been a blessing, Mike, and uh, I'm so grateful for your whole family. Mm. Uh, they've all been a testimony to me, good friends, and this is you know this is what the church is about. But you spoke very kind words, and uh, you know I'm not deserving of those things. Uh, you know I know as you said, you know uh, we all have our shortcomings, and and uh, you know, my family knows me better than you. Yeah, <laughs> so, God knows us all right. pretty exactly. good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so, that's part of the human experience. Exactly. But, but the Spirit does bear witness that um, that you don't just know of him, but that you know him. And that's uh, Mark, and um, you speak wisely, um, good counsel, so that we can all get to that place in our lives, um, to be born again, to be born of the Spirit. Uh, dark times ahead, but with him and being born of the Spirit, we've had so many testimonies of people that no matter how dark it is, they have an abiding sense of peace, and, and whether they live or die, they die unto Christ, you right. know, so, or, right. or live unto Christ. And and that's where we need to be. That's the foundation we need for, for what lies ahead. It is. That's that Holy Spirit of promise that uh, mm-hmm. would cause you to just go through life knowing that whatever comes up around the corner, uh, perhaps something you could not have been prepared for, and it might take your life, it's okay. Uh, we're going to do everything we can. We're created to, to you know, hang on to this life that we have. And so we're going to do that. We're going to uh, make preparations. We're going to uh, try to take care of our families and take care of our friends and take care of our neighbors and, and uh, take care of the church. But... Uh, and when it all comes down, uh, none of this, you know, ultimately is uh, uh, is going to remain. But that faith in Christ, His promises, those things will all remain. And to walk through this life with a Holy Spirit of promise, telling me it's going to be okay, <laughs> is the best thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't look like it's going to be okay sometimes. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, Robert. Thank you for, thank you for coming and sharing. I know we could have went on for hours. I, people realize, uh, you know, we went years without. Even though you you moved 
we both live close to each other. We go years without seeing each other. It was just, oh, I don't know what, six months ago or so, we we ended up getting together at the coffee house up, uptown and right. uh, spent an hour or so together. And that was right before COVID started. And, um, but it's when your brother in Christ, it's like you just pick up where you left off. And, and exactly. uh, <laughs> yeah. so here we have spent some wonderful time this morning. So thank you. Thank you.